it's Marcia Cork. I'm a certified change practitioner and diversity professional. For years, I've helped corporate teams and professionals navigate operational changes and improve workplace culture. Now, I create simple public speaking, communication, and change solutions that turn everyday people into confident professionals and entrepreneurs. Change is hard. Change is messy and change is scary. I know because just a few years ago, I was in a rocky marriage, unemployed, and broke all at the same time. Eventually, though, I had to lean in, trust my skill set, and be my own solution. I'm also a seasoned voiceover talent and the voice of many of the brands you know and trust. So I know a little something about moving from hardship to entrepreneurship and helping you reset and rebrand. I'm Marcia Cork, and I am The Change Coach. Kenan, I am so excited to talk to you today. Normally, if this were uh, a formal interview um, or a podcast, I would introduce you, but that's not what I want to do today. I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to my audience, my community, um, and then the constituents, your constituents that are within those audience. So I want to have you introduce yourself. Well, I appreciate it, Marcia, and this opportunity and the opportunity to introduce myself to so many people. Uh, Keenan James, I am a candidate for state delegate representing District 23 in Prince George's County. And that includes communities such as Upper Marlboro, Bowie, uh, Mitchellville, Laurel, parts of Beltsville, uh, touching the community as it runs along the 301 corridor. I'm focused on so many things for our community, but three things in particular come to mind for me. One and is near and dear to many of us right now is making sure we're making our community safer. Just like the shirt says, we can end gun violence. That is something very important to me. For those that have seen my signs out, you see me in that orange sweater, uh, which is prominent, which is the color worn by gun violence survivors. Sadly, I count myself amongst those gun violence survivors because my brother was shot and killed in Prince George's County in 1993. And the work that I do every day is to support gun violence survivors across our country as we raise our voices, elevate our stories to be more than just statistics, but real people and real lives that are impacted and most importantly, to ensure that other families don't have that same experience. So I'm working hard to make sure that we can improve public safety, true public safety in our schools, in our churches, in our grocery stores, in our movie theaters. Everywhere we go, we should be safe. And that's where we should be putting our resources to make sure that our community is safe. We want to do that also by building up our education system, making sure that our schools are well-funded, making sure that our students have their resources, making sure that our teachers are are paid well, that they have the resources in the classroom to make sure that they're teaching our children to excel. One of the things that I learned over the pandemic and having my children in virtual learning was that almost everything that they need to quote unquote learn is at their fingertips. They can go online and find lots of information, but teachers, those educators in the classroom, they make our students critical thinkers. They help them take that information and make it into real substance. And that's what our teachers do. They make sure that our children are thinkers, that they're able to elevate those ideas and become our innovators, become our entrepreneurs, become our doctors and scientists that will support our community and help us build our economy and build that generational wealth that we want in our families as well. And so we wanna protect that generational wealth, making sure that we have educated students and families, healthy communities, and making sure that we're protecting our home values as well in the community. And so we wanna make sure that we're protecting those home values and investments as we build generational wealth. 
And so I come to this uh, candidacy as someone with the experience of having worked in legislatures across the country, including Maryland and, and my home state, to pass legislation related to most recently ghost guns or even the Justice Reinvestment Act, which is a lot of my background, which I've worked in police reform for the last decade and working on criminal justice reform for nearly two decades. And so I bring that experience, that energy, that motivation, that community connection to my candidacy for state delegates. So that's just a little bit about me. Uh, certainly can find out more about me on my website, keenanformaryland.com. That's K-E-E-N-O-N for maryland.com. Perfect. Thank you for that. And I'm going to make sure you say that at the end as well. I love your passion. I love your enthusiasm. I didn't realize that the color orange was the color of the uh, the survivors and um, alongside gun gun awareness and gun violence. I thought it was a, just a vibrant color and it matches your personality. So it stands out. Those signs definitely stand out all across the area. Um, yeah. You've given us a great overview. I want you to tell us some of the lesser known facts or maybe even a fun fact about the Maryland House of Delegates, something that most of us don't know about the House of Delegates. You know, a lot of times I go out and I meet uh, individuals and they're talking about the House of Delegates and they, they're like, well, what do you do? What, do you, what does a delegate do? Um, and that's why I go back to that civics lesson that we had. You know, there are three parts of government. There's a legislative, judicial, and an executive branch. Well, the House of Delegates is that uh, legislative branch. They write the laws. And one of those things that I found during my work um, in communities as I was working on police relations were communities were frustrated with law enforcement, but their frustration with them was with the actual law that they were enforcing. And I had to talk to communities. Well, if you want to change that, it's not going to the police department. It's going to your legislative body, whether it was a city council or county commissioners, or in this instance, the state legislature. That's where we need to change the law. And so that's one of the things that I stress the importance to my constituency and those neighbors that I meet from door to door, that I want to be a part of that solution that creates the laws that make sure that we are making sure that we're uh, safely enforcing those laws and that we're equally enforcing those laws. And so for me, that's a piece of just understanding, well, what does a state legislator do? They're focused mm -hmm. on writing those laws and passing them. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that. Um, so we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I want to um, talk about returning citizens. We, we, we've spoken briefly about that, but I also want to address the elephant in the room, which is that looming recession. You know, the recession is coming. Um, you probably know I work with people who are experiencing long-term unemployment. Um, so a variety of populations are impacted by that. But when we're thinking about people being unemployed for, you know, a year, two years, and three years, um, what hope can you give them? And what resources can you point people to right now? They're already experiencing long-term unemployment, but then moving towards a recession. What guidance, what support exists for these populations? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that are, are sadly, our, our, our community had a lot of job loss. Um, and one of those things that we're seeing is potentially more opportunities. But I'll also look at it for, for many citizens. And when I think about returning citizens, not just individuals who may have been incarcerated, but those that may be returning to the workforce. You may have decided, hey, I'm not going to work. There may be professional decisions, family decisions, and now it's like, hey, I need to get back in the workforce. Um, one of the things that I would recommend that I've been out seeing and hearing from people is this may be your opportunity to pivot. And when I say pivot, it may not be what you've typically done or what's on your resume, but this is an opportunity that you may have 
to do something totally different. Uh, when I think about that, I have some friends who were uh, in the business industry uh, and they were passionate about it, but they decided, you know what? I really want to be in healthcare. And I've had some friends who decided I'm going to go to school. And I'm going to become a nurse. I'm going to take this opportunity to really follow my passion. Others are taking up trades work. And so uh, reaching out to even some of the local unions, whether it's carpentry, electricians, plumbing, they have apprenticeship programs uh, that will allow you to earn while you learn. I mean, that's a great opportunity for a skill that uh, you can take and, and is mobile as well. It's not limited just one geographic area. And so uh, meeting with some of those apprenticeship programs, earning money while you're learning your, your craft and your tools, everything is a great opportunity for someone to consider. Because one of the things that will happen during this recession is there'll be investments in infrastructure. And that is the buildings, the roads, uh, those new uh, facilities, whether it's schools, uh, as an example, where they're trying to build you know, modern green schools or modern green buildings, uh, they'll all need uh, someone to help to build those physical structures. And so that's just one opportunity where you can learn. Uh, and there are very, very well-paying opportunities in those fields as well. Great response. Thank you for that. Because people are making that pivot. And that's exactly where you and I are in alignment. That's the coaching that I'm offering now. I provide the coaching that supports um, you know, th that professional pivot, that career pivot. I'm doing on-camera training with people. I'm doing interview preparation and also helping them um, develop their brand strategy and their sales pitch to, to, to reset and rebrand and yes. really um, sell themselves in this new area, in this new industry, recognizing what skills and talents they already have that they may have been taken for granted, but now seeing how you can apply them in a different way, in ways that they perhaps hadn't considered before, including entrepreneurship. Absolutely. You know, that's going to be a great opportunity. I think our, our communities, uh, the backbone of our community is small businesses and that entrepreneurship. Uh, and what do, you, what do you do? You know, a lot of times people are trying to figure out where to start. I think it's a great opportunity to learn from others who, to, who are uh, starting their own businesses. A lot of businesses start and some fail. And so how can you learn what are those pitfalls, learning from someone? And I think we'll be making some investments in small business incubators, as well as mentorship and capital programs that will help uh, develop our small business infrastructure and the backbone of our community. Okay, okay. Now, returning citizens, because I know we've, we've circled back to this a few times. Um, tell me a little bit more about the unions and other organizations that you're working with to encourage second chance hiring, to maybe give some visibility to, to the um, tax credits and the insurances that exist. So we encourage employers to um, integrate second chance hiring. Tell us about the work that you're doing to support returning citizens and second chance hiring. Absolutely. So working with a, a couple and I'll just, I'll just call out the uh, local 197 regional council of carpenters in Eastern Atlantic States, regional council of carpenters 197 is in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Uh, and they have an apprenticeship program as well and where they're working and they're reaching out to returning citizens who are looking for that opportunity, like I said, to, to learn and earn at the same time. And so mm -hmm. taking on that apprenticeship, uh, while it may seem like, oh, I've got four years of learning, that's four years of, of getting paid as well. That's four years of your benefits, whether we're talking about health care, as an example, wanting to take care of yourself, take care of your family. And so those opportunities where you can learn various crafts, uh, and there are different trades that fall under uh, carpentry, for example, 
uh, will go a long way. Uh, one of the things that I, I learned and have been working with the union is understanding even you know, trade shows. Uh, there are individuals who put up all of the rigging and things at trade shows. And those individuals can go all over the country uh, being a part of a team that puts together trade shows. So don't, don't think in, in a small box thinking, well, it's just here. You can go anywhere in the world once you have these certifications and trades. And so that's just one opportunity where there is a set aside where they're reaching out to individuals who are returning to say, hey, look at what we offer. We'd love to partner with you. We want to tra train you. Uh, and more importantly, what I've learned is those individuals are in the program, how they reach back to others that they know who are returning as well to say, here's a great opportunity. I've been successful. You can be successful. And we're trying to build those bridges of success with each other. So that's example of where I know uh, you can reach out, you can go to their website and get information about their apprenticeship program and how you can apply for it, but also taking those skills of interviewing, taking it very seriously, uh, because it is definitely a job interview and one that you're signing up for four to five years, depending on the, on the trade that you choose uh, mm -hmm. to make a lifelong career, not just a job. Yeah, that's a really great point, because the biggest challenge I find is that um, people are enthusiastic, they want to get to work, you know, that goes without saying, but a lot of times they don't know these resources exist. They don't know these programs exist. And so the biggest challenge is knowing about them. Yeah. And once people are in the program, then of course, like you said, word of mouth, recommending friends, recommending their uh, acquaintances, but otherwise they don't know where to start and they don't know how to even find out about these opportunities. So what will your office do? What types of, um, connections or points of contact will be in place to spread the word about the programs that you're helping build out, um, anything that you're conceptualizing as we speak as part of your platform. Um, how can, what can people do to, to just get access to the information first and foremost? Well, one way they can get access right now with the, through the county is there is an office of, for returning citizens. And it focuses on making sure all of those resources are available, making sure that information is available, walking returning citizens through every single element of uh, reintegration. Because I know that uh, having worked in, in criminal justice reform and part of the work that I did focusing on uh, reducing recidivism said, okay, what do we need to, to support individuals? Where do I go to get uh, ID card? Where do I go to get a social security card? I don't have my birth certificate. How do you get all of those things? And then the social services that support an individual. So the first place I would recommend individuals if they haven't already is to connect with the Office of Returning Citizens at the county, make sure they can make an appointment, go meet there, get, uh, get a mentor there, and you can learn about whether it's job, social, economic, all of those things, health, Healthcare, we want to make sure that you're fully integrating, you're getting all of the support services for your physical, mental, and emotional health as well. Uh, that would be a great thing. And for me, that's what my office uh, would, would focus on. Uh, as a state legislator, I want to make sure that the resources are coming back to the county to make sure that we can support those types of programs and initiatives so that they have the, the, the ability to reach out to individuals. Right now, there are over 5,000 individuals who return to Prince George's County every year, 5,000 thousand returning citizens. That's 13 every day. And so we know that we have to make that outreach so that we can make sure we connect those citizens. And most importantly for me, help reduce that recidivism rate. We don't want individuals returning. And so we want to make sure that we're providing the resources and equipping those individuals to be successful in our community. Yes, yes. And we know employment is a key factor in making sure that we reduce recidivism. Well, thank you for that. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity to close out with anything that we haven't covered that you want to share. 
Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm running on the platform to really uh, make our community safer. As I talked earlier about that color orange, uh, it is very important. Orange is the color actually worn by hunters. And the reason why it's chosen by gun violence survivors is the same reason that mm. hunters wear it. They wear orange okay. to tell others don't shoot. And so uh, that's what that message is as well. And so this coming uh, Friday, June um, 3rd, June 3rd will be Wear Orange Day. And so nationally is National Gun Violence Awareness Day. And so there'll be opportunities to wear orange at various events across the area as well as nationally. So I think that that's something important to individuals. You can support people who are gun violence survivors, whether they've lost a loved one, wounded, uh, or just been attacked. Uh, we have a lot of domestic violence survivors who uh, guns were used against them. And so we wanna support them as well. And so our gun violence survivors includes all of those individuals. And so for me, uh, running on, on a platform to make sure that we're putting the pieces in place to make our community safer, help us prosper and build that generational wealth. You can find out more about me and my campaign at keenanformaryland.com uh, or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, even TikTok. There's Keenan for Maryland is where you can find uh -oh. me as well. Yeah, my, my girls convinced me to get on TikTok as well. So they're doing TikTok videos as a part of the campaign, making sure we're getting that message out for the primary that's on July the 19th. And so I'd appreciate your vote and appreciate your support wherever you may be. You probably know someone that lives in the district. So encourage them to learn about me and most importantly, to vote for me. Absolutely, will do, will do. And you said June 3rd is when we're wearing orange? Wear Orange Day is June 3rd. June 4th is gonna be, June 4th and 5th is Wear Orange Weekend, but June Friday, June 3rd is National Gun Violence Awareness Day. And that's where we wear orange. You okay. can find out more information on that at wearorange.org. Wearorange.org. Okay, well, that's something that I can definitely do. Like I said, it's my favorite color. I don't know if you see all the orange in the background. That'll work, that'll work, that'll work. It gets any, anything, place it on social media with the hashtag wearorange. Now, I promise you there will be hundreds of thousands of supporters just like you wearing orange to bring awareness to our communities. All right, thank you so much.